Welcome to the Winter Grab Coffee Podcast. In today's episode, Igor, Charles, and I discuss the concept of the town stack and how you can use it as a guide for long-term career growth. Whether you're trying to get unstuck in your career and don't know where to go next, aiming towards that next big promotion, or looking to add a little bit of flavor to your personal and professional life, the talent stack can keep you focused on your long-term career goals while providing clarity on what to focus on today. Thanks for joining us, and don't forget to subscribe and drop us a line if you enjoyed the episode. Have a good one. What's up, guys? Hey, what's going on, Robert? Hey, so have, have you ever had a time in your career where it re- wasn't really obvious what you should be focusing on today, this week, next month, in order to reach your long-term career goals? I frequently get asked by our junior folks, hey, what should I focus on next? What skills should I develop? What programming language should I learn? And the short answer is that it doesn't really matter just as long as you're building some skill and improving in some area over time. And that's what uh, I really introduced them to the idea of the, of the talent stack. And Scott Adams, the creator of Dilbert, coined the term. And, and so for, for Scott Adams, he's really funny. He's really good at art. And he has some business acumen. And he packages those things up into a unique combination that creates Dilbert. And so we've been talking about this idea of the talent stack for a while now. And so definitely wanted to bring that up today and really talk about how people can reach their career goals by building this unique combination of skills over time. And the cool thing about this is it, it doesn't really matter uh, if you're building hard skills, soft skills, something off the wall. A lot of times those will add flavor to your talent stack and make you even more unique. And so that's really what I wanted to talk to you guys about today. See if there's a way we could help people unlock the next level of career growth for them. And I know since we've been talking about this for a while, Charles, I wanted to get your thoughts on how the concept of a talent stack can help you focus longer term on your career while still keeping the present in mind. Yeah. Well, I've I've certainly been in that situation before that you described where, you know, I have these aspirations in my career that I know will take 10, 20, 30 years to accomplish. And with such kind of longer term goals, it could be really hard to say, okay, from where I am right now in terms of my abilities, but also, you know, the type of uh, work that I do, like, how do I get from here to there? And um, I, I really like the talent stack as uh, kind of guideposts along the way in terms of a career journey for a couple of reasons. Um, I think the first one is that it is something that you can control, right? It is something that you can reflect upon and um, you can decide. It's like, hey, these are these combinations of skills and talents that I want to focus on right now. And um, those are tangible. You know, it's something that I can do, you know, starting right now, tomorrow. Um, I think the challenge though is that um, it may be hard at first to see how those talents can contribute to long-term um, career, you know, growth and, and accomplishing those goals. Um, but that, uh, you know, the whole point is that this is this is like a practice, right? It's like you don't just identify like artistic ability and business acumen and creativity, and then all of a sudden you've got Dilbert. It's like now Scott Adams probably worked 
quite a bit to identify those talents and then every single day made it his craft and mission to put those into practice. And um, that's why I think this, this is a good concept for long-term career goals and things like that is because there's discipline that comes along with identifying what your kind of unique combination of talents and skills are. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's how, that's how it helps from a long-term standpoint. It gives us a little bit of clarity on what are the few important things that we can focus on now that if we apply every single day, uh, you can start to see material results. What's, what's on deck for you right now, Charles, for, for your talent stack? Uh, writing, mm. writing, yes, writing, 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 which is, um, you know, I've just for a while, years, I've thought that, you know, I'm just not that good at writing. Like it's, uh, I've, I've had, why, this why did you, yeah, why did you feel that way? Well, I, I think it's because, um, is that, is that like feedback you receive? Like you, you would do some writing and then somebody would say, Hey Charles, you know, can you, can you work on this a little bit more? No, yeah. it, it was, it was nothing external. It was all internal. Like in my mind, whenever I sat down to write something, whether it's a presentation or I don't know, at, uh, an email or something like that, it was just really, really hard for me to put words on paper. And it wasn't until recently, probably maybe a couple of months ago that I realized like, Hey, this is a skill. Right? That, <laughs> this is a skill that I can learn and get better at. And I had to really get over myself. And, uh, I took a Coursera course for free. You know, I just audited a course on Coursera around business writing and really basic stuff. But if you, again, if you apply it every single day, um, it can really make a difference. So that's, that's what I'm focusing on right now. Yeah. I was going to ask on that. Um, you, you're focusing on writing. You want to get, be a better writer. You took a class on business writing. I'm assuming that was, that was the focus, right? Like you wanted to be, you wanted to apply your enhanced writing skills to your job. So this was not a hobby. This is, this is professional development. Did you, did you look at any other, mechanism for improving that did you look at writing fiction or uh, writing comics or something like that as a way to spur the ability to create a creative compelling narrative even in a business setting i i did uh and there are a few courses out there that would fit that i looked at creative writing in particular the reason why i picked this one it's a specialization so if you don't know anything about coursera there are bundles of courses that you can take that are uh, related. And what I liked about this is that it was, uh, it was three different courses, one on business writing, essentially, how do you write a memo? To be honest, I've never written a memo in my life, but it's just about, you know, the written word. The second course was actually on graphic design. And the third was on public speaking. And so what I actually liked was that these three different professors identified these core principles of effective communication that span the written word, you know, graphic design and, you know, public presentation or presentation skills, public speaking. And um, so even though I did it to focus on my writing, 
uh, I'm really excited about the graphic design piece because I I would tell you I don't think I'm a good designer at all. I, I would I wouldn't say that I I know anything about design really. Um, so it's it is a little broader than just writing. So I like that. Robert, what's what's on deck for you? So for me, it's it's got to be this idea of relationship building in a virtual setting. So things that are not tended to decay. And I can, as an extrovert, and I, I maybe I feel this a little bit more uh, acutely than than others, but I can just feel what I, what I felt was a pretty robust series of relationships heading into the COVID lockdown. Uh, they, they're just they're they're decaying at a at a rate that for me is like I can viscerally feel it, right? And you know where on a given week where I may bounce back and forth between you know, one, two client sites, the office, you know, grabbing coffee with you guys. If if I had some kind of quantitative measure of, you know, positive relationship experiences, just generally speaking, that's, that number might be like an 80 on a given week. And now it's like an eight. Like, it's just wow. really, really difficult to, to cultivate relationships. And, and I think part of that is, is a stylistic preference on my side but I need to apply a lot more intentionality to really a, a core a core component of being able to be effective at at our level is you you get results through the relationships you have right I I can do virtually nothing on my own now like I I need I need a concerted mobilized collective effort of of a team to accomplish anything and that's just I can feel it decaying so I'm I'm working on a few things around. Uh, reminders, Charles, I took your advice the other day to, to heart and starting to send people handwritten thank you notes and just really looking to put in intentional, on purpose, asynchronous, positive relationship experiences, right? Uh, you, you're kind of limited to the virtual copies and meetings and people are fatigued with being on camera and, and things like that. And so there, there's sort of a, a limit, a ceiling on what you can accomplish there. So I'm trying to figure out how to asynchronously uh, improve relationships, how to track it, which is not something that I'm typically wired or, or inclined to do to make sure in the same way, if I'm trying to lose 10 pounds, you know, I'm tracking what my calories, I'm tracking my workouts. I'm seeing the progress go up, looking at really the intentionality behind the core behind that relationship building idea that comes much more naturally to me in person. What about you, Igor? Yeah. You know, for me, I think, um, I, I I would call it account management, but it's something a little bit more specific than that. And it's, it's how do you align the activities of a disparate set of teams, uh, to, you know, similar goals. And it's quite complicated and difficult. And right now, you know, we're, we're doing that through, through OKRs and, but there's a steep learning curve there for me. Um, and then also the account team. And so, you know, that aspect of getting, getting your teams to align behind goals and, and making forward progress, 
Um, I don't know if that's a traditional stack that you'd put into your, into your talent stack, but it is uh, a practice. I would say like once you've done it, you understand the mechanics, you have experience of how your teams have reacted to like an OKR system, you know, how to create momentum, how to help them. And, um, yeah, I, I've been, I've been learning a lot, but I think there's, you know, a mountain still left for me to learn on, on that side. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that over the next, I would say, you know, six to 12 months is my time horizon for getting that skill dialed in for myself. Yeah. Well, one thing that's definitely on your talent stack is the ability to ask really good questions at the exact right time. So definitely something that I've always appreciated about working with you for sure. Thanks. What a, yeah, sure. So while we're on this note, what, what are your thoughts, Igor, on how this idea of the talent stack, thinking about your career more intentionally around the, the skills that you're building, what's your opinion on how that could lead to broader life satisfaction, happiness, that kind of thing? Yeah, you know, um, there's, there's this concept of, of Ikigai, right? So it's this Japanese concept and it's, it's, it's like a strange Venn diagram, you know, Venn diagrams usually have two circles and then whatever's in the middle, like that's the good thing. Uh, the Ikigai has like four circles, <laughs> each of them obviously, you know, interconnect with another circle and then they all interconnect to make the middle circle. And it's the intersection of these like four components. And it's what do you love to do? What are you good at doing? You know, those aren't always the same. What can you be paid for? And, and what does the world need? You know, and, and I like to think that, you know, your talent stack could probably follow some of these things, right? You don't always have to build your talent stack in what you can be paid for. You know, for example, my, the talent stack that I'm developing right now, you know, uh, around account management and aligning teams, it's really pretty squarely in the what can you be paid for bucket, right? Like that's, that's not something that, I mean, you can argue that that's something that the world needs, but usually it's, it's a corporate organizational need, right? And it's something that's, that's paid for. And that's what I'm developing. But, you know, sometimes I develop my artistic skills because I love them. And uh, I may not be good at them yet, um, but as I develop them, those artistic skills can then translate into helping me become better at business communication, right? Because Charles, you mentioned that one of the course components is like graphic design, right? And, um, and so over time, you know, probably every stack that I develop has one of these uh, or two of these or sometimes three of these as, as a component into it. But over time, as you build up a diversity, um, sort of as you build a diversity in your talent stack, uh, you get to a point where you can employ these things towards your ikigai. And, and I think that's sort of, sort of the, the connection there. Um, <clears throat> you know, um, I think there's, uh, I'm on vacation now, so I'm taking, taking a little break. And one of my goals during the break is 
uh, learning how to DJ. Might sound like a very strange uh, sort of thing to want to learn, but I've wanted to learn that ever really since I was 13 or 14 years old. And um, I can also think of that as my, my talent stack. And, and at some point, uh, it's going to come in handy. Uh, as I learn more about DJing, because I really have no idea what DJing was before I started. Now I'm on like YouTube, I'm watching, you know, all these videos <clears throat> and reading the crowd and playing the right song at the right time, like understanding people's energy levels and then introducing things into the system at the right energy level to make movements towards like momentum up or momentum down, that is the basic skill of the DJ. And that's abstractly a very useful skill for somebody in business, right? You're in a meeting, you're reading the energy of the room, that's, you know, sort of the cumulative energy of the people in that room and uh, getting good at acutely reading that and then being able to respond in the right way. You know, what can I introduce? Maybe it's a good question, right? Maybe it's a little bit of forced silence. Um, you know, maybe it's a provocative statement. Maybe it's agreeing with somebody. Um, you know, that, that skill. And I think abstractly, you can apply a lot of these skills and especially ones that's about sort of reading humans um, as a bedroom DJ, that's, that's maybe a little bit harder, but I can sort of read my mood and that's what I'm working towards. So, so even, you know, what you probably think is a pretty frivolous, uh, sort of thing to learn might really turn out to be pretty, pretty useful for you, uh, in the right context, if you let it be. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. I, I think about hobbies as a, a first class citizen in this framework, right? And so one one thing that I, I picked up a, a couple of years ago is golf and just like started out playing with my father-in-law and my brother-in-law and we're out having fun and I'm doing horribly, but it's still it's a good time. You're outside. You you get you find yourself in conversations that normally you wouldn't have at your house or something like that, right? So I definitely caught on, caught the bug early. And so then I was asked the natural question, well, how do you get better at golf? And that's like a huge rabbit hole. And there's all of this, like in the, in the clubs and the type of club heads and, and the, the length of the club and right. And what kind of ball you use. And there's all these, like, it's an infinite number of, of possibilities and, and dimensions to, to dig into. And, and in, in pursuit of that, like you're, you're still building this level of, analytics and this the, the the idea that you're you're learning a new skill you're trying something hard you're measuring improvement you're learning how to get better at something fighting through it in a way that's that's unique to you i think is is a really uh interesting lens to put on this because one it it does really focus on the the well-being and happiness right and and golf there's a there's a pretty easy analog into into business anyway uh but second this idea of you know, connecting, we talked about relationships earlier, connecting passions, right, on on golf or really probably won't have much to do with my profession, but the idea around um, teaching, let's say like my daughter came out and started playing with me as well. 
she's seven. Uh, it's it's not exactly like I don't know how to even play golf barely. I, so to teach it is is something else as well. But you know we're out there having fun. It teaches me how to connect with my my daughter more. I can kind of observe her in in a in a physical element. We're riding in the cart together, and so that in my talent stack, I very much want being a being a world class father to be in my talent stack. And I think through these connections that we don't always perceive, playing golf uh, does it it doesn't help me be a better father. It creates a, an environment and a tool that I can apply towards being a father, shared interest with my kid, time alone on the golf course, you know, that kind of thing. And so it's really interesting as we start to unravel this idea of the town stack, it's, it's a pretty nuanced thing, right? And you're now I have that, I have it forever. And as you build these ideas and concepts, you, you, you add flavor to who you are and what you bring to your personal and professional life. And that's kind of maybe one main point I wanted to make is, you know, it's it's not about just hard skills, just business skills. It's much broader than that. And so maybe we can take a minute and Charles, you could start off by what what's like one area of your talent stack that you're good at that, that brings that flavor into work uh, that's not a hard skill like a programming language or writing or public speaking, graphic design, things like that. Yeah. Um, what, what comes to mind is, um, this is probably a few years ago when I, when I really, I don't even know how I got, I got onto this, uh, but it's storytelling actually. It's, uh, effectively, telling stories. Ah, I remember <laughs> there was a, a podcast that I was listening to and um, this person posed a really interesting question. Um, and it was based off of the fact that they found like ancient human remains, you know, they originated from maybe Madagascar, you know, off the coast of Africa. Um, they find, they found fossil records of this group of ancient humans in Australia. So can you imagine like these ancient humans in Madagascar also being found in Australia? And this person poses like, how do you think, you know, those humans got from Madagascar to Australia? It's because somebody told a freaking compelling story. Somebody on Madagascar, you know, maybe it's a, you know, elder in the tribe or something said, we have to sail across this body of water that we have never been across before, you know, and, and face whatever challenges and trials that, that we'll face uh, for some good reason. They had to tell that story in such a compelling way to convince people to risk their lives to go do that. And they did it like that. That blew my mind when I was listening to that, that podcast and, and I thought about the importance of stories in everyday life, not just in business. I like if you're trying to sell something, well, sure, you, you, you know, if you're a good storyteller, that's great. But uh, what if you're telling a story about your uh, brother um, at his wedding, you know, for example? Um, 
do you want to fumble over your words or do you want to tell something that is entertaining and heartfelt and uh, filled with emotion and joy for a special occasion for somebody that you love? And uh, I realized it's like, you know what? This is something that if I invest in, it can impact all areas of my life. And, um, and yeah, there's, there's, um, there's a lot of resources out there. That's, that's the amazing thing. No matter what your talent is that you want to add to your talent stack, so many resources that are available, you know, whether that's Coursera or Igor, you were talking about um, YouTube videos for DJing. Right? Yeah. <laughs> there is so much out there. Uh, it just requires you to be intentional about investing some of your time and, and attention on that thing. For me, um, it was storytelling. I, I think that that has had really interesting uh, benefits and impacts in, in areas outside of my life that are just, that are not obvious, right? As a consultant, I don't think people would self-identify as storytellers, but um, I do. I, I do. Yeah. I, I love that, storytelling, I, man. I, I think that, you know, the, the stack that I'm working on right now this idea of team alignment, the aspect of storytelling would be huge, right? So, so adding that in, into the mix and over these 12 months, giving some intentionality towards becoming a better storyteller and a more effective communicator with those teams and uh, providing an environment where people want to, you know, do something together, Right. For some, that might mean crossing an ocean. For others, it might mean, you know, doing something at the account. But I, I, love, I love that, the storytelling component. And I can see how it very uh, squarely fits into a lot of um, things that can be very useful. Yeah, and, and you, you've been helpful, Charles, in, in my career with that idea, that concept of storytelling. When I had a really big presentation deliverable do this idea of either the hero's journey and how... Uh, tension comes up and down, Igor, that there's even a tie into the DJ piece you were saying before. And and the cool thing about building a talent stack is like, I, I would say I'm very, very low on the uh, storytelling bell curve, but those two or three concepts that you gave me at the time really helped elevate this one thing I was working on. And so a talent in the talent stack is also I'm good at learning new things or I can take tactical components of this skill and apply it somewhere else that elevates that. And I think this idea of introducing tension and drama into, into a story or, or putting a story around something that previously had no story, it was void of any kind of tension, was, was really helpful for me. And I, I think that's a, that's a cool, often overlooked part of the talent stack as well is you don't have to be in the top 80% of these five things. You can get just good enough over here to be accretive to what you, you really care about. So yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Uh, Igor, what about you, man? Um, well, I want to go back to something that you said, which I think just made me think of something. I think it's really cool that, you know, learning, Right. So somebody, if somebody comes to you and they're like, Hey, I don't really know what to focus on next. Right. And you know, you can, you can talk to them about Ikigai. You can talk to them about talent stack, but this idea of 
learning how to learn better, you know, how to dive into a subject, how to, you know, take it apart and, and how to sort of approach each piece and extract the most learning from it over the shortest period of time. That's a talent in the talent stack that has like geometric um, dividends that it pays, right? So if you're stuck and you don't know if it's DJing or storytelling or C sharp or, or whatever, you know, maybe investing into becoming a better learning, you know, one of the best learning tools for me has been mind mapping, for example, right? So that allows me to learn things in a much more efficient way. And it doesn't have to be mind mapping, but other learning techniques. I think that's a wonderful way to spend time and to like really excel, like provide accelerance for you. Um, but yeah, so, so, you know, what's kind of like a non, non-work related uh, stack that I've been uh, trying out. Uh, about a year ago, I, I developed like a very keen interest in dungeon mastering, you know, for like uh, Dungeons and Dragons which is a tabletop RPG. And I bought like a little booklet. <laughs> I watched some videos on YouTube. This is becoming a pattern. Uh, I watched some, um, watched some videos on YouTube on how to do it. And I brought it. I've never played it before. I've never dungeon mastered, nor have I participated as a player. Watched some videos. And then I'm, a big, I'm an experiential learner. So learning by doing. We, we, you know, the, the, the big, we had a, a corp, you know, corporate management retreat and I just brought like my little set. It was a little red box. I prepared some folders for, for folks. I, I had no idea if anybody would be interested when I brought it, by the way, <laughs> right? It could have been a very, could have been a very short night for me where I've been like, Hey y'all, do you want to go dungeoneering with me? And, uh, you know, I would have heard crickets and everybody would have gone to play poker uh, or whatever else. And I would have just kind of sat there sad, you know? Um, but you know, I, y'all got into it. Other people got into it even more. We had a great time. Um, and, and, but more than that, you know, dungeon master skills also help transfer in the workplace. So investing this time into just really for me, fun activity, hopefully it was fun for y'all. Um, help me, you know, have, how do you progress, you know, a team through a story, right? And how do you provide the right level of challenge at the right time? And how do you maintain interest and um, make the right encounters and so on? So I would say very random, but learning how to dungeon master um, was kind of like a out there talent sack sort of deal. Yeah, and so one one interesting piece of inside baseball, this will go into storytelling as well. So our office manager, Brooke, joined the game and she had never played before, right? So picked it up pretty quickly and uh, was the the one who actually dealt the killing blow on the final monster, which you had uh, hand-painted. So we you put the little right. tokens out and you're tracking positions. And, and so it's this big sort of, uh, nasty looking thing you hand painted it and then at the very end since Brooke killed the monster she got to keep it 
And I remember she was like super excited about that <laughs> and then took it, took it to her cube and it's there to this day. And she, that's like a fun story that she has to tell. Right. And so I think this idea also coming back to creating positive experiences, stories, shared experiences with the people around you, that's a, that's a huge thing. And, and that's also a skill that I guess is nested into the dungeon master skill as well. It was, it was super cool. I'm really glad, you know, Brooke uh, approached it with a lot of vigor and, you know, she moved to a different office and the Thessal Hydra, that's the monster, the Thessal Hydra that was painstakingly painted by me, you know, it took me probably a good two or three hours to paint it, um, made it in her move. Right. Which was like shocking to me. I was like, whoa, like it ended up on her shelf at her new office. And um, yeah, it was, it, it was, it was really cool. It was a great story. And yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Robert, what it, what's your out there talent stack? Yeah. So I've, I've been thinking about this as, as you guys were talking and I think it has to be this, uh, this idea around humor or levity uh, that I can apply to tense situations. And so the, we all know this. If you've been in the workplace for more than five minutes, there's people that uh, are abrasive. Your interactions with them are abrasive. There's situations that are ongoing that are just uh, that drama and dysfunction creeps in. And then it's like the boiling the frog analogy a year later, that's how feuds start. Right. And I really try to be intentional about, and I almost feel like I have a, a gut feel on this too, where a situation is, is, is too tense, it's too serious. And I try to bring it completely overcorrected on the other end of the spectrum around humor. Like when you took over facilitator for our, uh, our weekly meetings, I gave you a yellow card and a red card that you could, you know, hold up when people are, were talking out of line. And the, the idea was like to, to play on, Hey, I'm, I'm running this show, even though you're, you're like emceeing, <laughs> like it's like this authoritative thing. Right. And, and so I, I really try to in, in work situations, bring a, an air of, of levity, of humor. Uh, I like to joke that I don't even like to talk about work. Like, let's just go have coffee and talk about personal stuff. Right. And, and I think that over time, if you have, if you strike the right balance there, it creates a, uh, a more cohesive, human centric environment where good things can happen because the people that are around are, um, are happy and, and moving forward. And I think that's like, if you, if you look at sort of the professional version of gallows humor, right? Like your manual labor, 10 hours a day, dark, damp place, like all you have at that point is, is humor. Right. And so I think there's a, there's sort of a professional analog there, which I've been honing, uh, probably since the second grade. I, I, I loved you as a facilitator. The very first moment where you started to assign random point values for people's actions during, during the meeting. And, and it was something I was like, man, really only Robert, <laughs> right? Like, and, and it was, it was awesome. Right. And, and like you, you always say that like, there's probably somebody out there with an Excel spreadsheet that's keeping track of all the points you've ever assigned. And one day we'll know who the winner is, uh, we will. you know, but, but, but for you is this really great joke. 
and and it was and it became sort of a running a running gag yeah right and and you know on your way out right because you were the outgoing facilitator i was the incoming facilitator like you mentioned the last thing you did was give me the yellow card and the red card and i was able to practice humor thanks to you right i i didn't fall on the points scheme you you gave me the mechanism uh, for humor moving on that I could make my own, right? Which is really generous and brilliant, you know? So you, you weren't just funny in, in your own flavor. You helped enable me to be funny and engaging as I took over the role for you. And, um, and that's, that was really cool. I, I just, big, big kudos, the points. I just remember, I just, I, I couldn't stop laughing. Robert, didn't you, didn't you take over facilitating for me? Uh, were you the original? Yeah, maybe I did. Yeah. So what, what Igor and Robert were not, are not saying, which I will say, I was a terrible facilitator. (laughs) I was terrible. (laughs) I was a stickler to the rules. You know, I was trying to educate people on how they should do things according to, you know, the style that we've laid out. And, um, I'm just chuckling over here because such a stark contrast between my facilitation and Robert's and people just absolutely loved your facilitation. Like that, that is not a skill that I have tried to uh, improve upon and yet clearly way, way, way valuable. So really nice job on that. I think, thanks guys. Uh, one, one thing I'll say too, is I, I could probably name two people who have the, uh, spreadsheet and the winners tabulated. <laughs> and if I had to bet, if I had to bet, they would, they would both have picked the, the same winner. Like both of their calculations would have been hundred percent correct. So there you go. We won't, we won't name those people right now. <laughs> no. We'll, we'll invite them. We'll invite them to a future episode. Mm. Yeah, that's right. And just oh, ask yeah. them what the yeah. score is and they'll know right away what you're talking they'll about. They'll know. They'll know what the score is. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, hey, this is this has been an absolute pleasure. Do you want to close it out for today? Yeah, let's do it. I, I think uh, you know. Hopefully, the takeaway here for those listening is that um, we define talent stack, and I'm sure Scott Adams did too. We define it pretty broadly. You know, we, we shared a few examples of what are some different talents. And so I would love to hear from our listeners, um, you know, what they consider their talent stack um, and maybe what's one talent that they want to add to their stack. Uh, because I know the three of us were huge fans of lifelong learning. We get joy out of that. And uh, we feel that's important to our careers and our lives. And so I'd encourage you to, to think about your talent stack um, and wherever you're listening, find a way to reach out to us and let us know, you know, add it to a comment or uh, something like that. Awesome. Well, with that, let's end it. It was great seeing you guys. Right on. Great to see you. Have a great week. Take care. Bye. Cheers. See you. Bye.